Happy New Year! What is this show called? What is this show called? No, I'm asking you. It's called... Coffee Cream Podcast. And Happy New Year, everybody. 2021. Here we are. The top five episodes for 2020. Number five. Episode 67. How do you see the divine? Addressing certain cognitive constructs that affect your psycho-spiritual performance. Go check that out if you haven't. Number four, episode 73, Young and Muslim. Great conversation with those gentlemen. We talked about growing pains of being Muslim in America. Number three, episode 66, Paradise Couple with Megan Wyatt. Fantastic episode on very important reminders to succeed in marriage. Number two, episode 71, Are You a Narcissist? Part 2 with Dr. Osman Athar. And the number one played episode for 2020, episode 69, Are You a Narcissist? with Dr. Osman Athar. Great set of episodes there. A lot of people, uh, I think, benefited from that series. Thanks again, Dr. Osman. Uh, Love bless you and your family. Uh, Great subject there. Please check out those episodes as well. Narcissism, top five countries for the most plays and downloads for 2020. Number five, India. Number four, Australia. Number three, Canada. Two, United Kingdom. And number one, the United States of America. Top five cities. Number five, Sydney in Australia. Well, thanks a lot, mates. Let's have a cuppa. Number four, Houston, Texas. Number three, Chicago. And number two, Toronto, Canada. And number one, Milpitas, California. Ah, California, you're back up there. Love my golden state. With today's episode, I plan to keep it short, simple, but hopefully uh, valuable nonetheless. SubhanAllah, I mean, it's just eerie to me, guys, how fast time goes. Uh, Every time like Ramadan comes, I'm like, what? What? Right? I mean, how many of you are just finished taking off your Eid clothes and then it's like Ramadan again, you know? That's what it feels like, subhanAllah. Uh, Time really does fly. And those of you who are young, you know, if there's any teenagers out there listening or people in your 20s, time just gets, it just feels like it goes faster the older you get, right? So I know when you're young, you're just like, yeah, whatever. All these old adults always telling me, time goes by fast. Life goes by fast. Uh, yeah, the... It really does. So take it from me, if uh, my words mean anything to you, it really does go by very quickly. And it's so easy to get sucked into some kind of a loop in life, right? Unconscious loop over, like you just autom- like this automaton, automatic mechanical robot gets up every day, does the same thing every day. There's no deeper reflection. It's just the same routine, same escapism, you know, same uh, pacifiers, daily pacifiering, right? For the ego and so forth. You know, and, and then before you know it, it's like five years went by, you know, 10 years went by. Uh, I mean, why do you think it's a common phenomenon that people have, you know, midlife crises and so forth, women and men, right? Because it's like, it does hit you uh, at some point. Which brings me to the main theme, perhaps, of today, on death. 
because death is really your time clock ticker, right? Everyone's life is measured by breaths. Time is the most valuable resource you have. You can't buy back the time you've lost. You can't buy time from anybody else. And you don't know how much time you have left. Every breath you take is another second on your death clock ticker, okay? Human beings are hardwired to know they will die. So time is the most important resource you have. And when you think about time, it's actually how much time you have left to live, right? It's not about like, oh, this week I want to be more productive. Yes, but don't just think about the week. No. So time relates to death in that death is when your time clock for life stops. It's over, right? No more snooze button. Um, no more let me get an extra hour in. Your time is up. Your time is up. And death is a very scary thing. And I know a lot of people, it's hard to just even think about it or face the fact that you're going. But there's a couple of reasons for this. Number one, we all fear what we don't understand, what's unknown. This, is, this causes natural anxiety. That's why the human being is naturally anxious by nature. One, we fear what is unknown and it provokes a massive amount of anxiety. Two, Death is never going to be an easy experience, but you can make it easier for yourself. It's interesting that the Prophet Sayyidah mentioned that when a believer's soul leaves his body, it's like smooth water flowing out of a, a tap or a vase. In other words, it's an easy transition, an easy continuation into the next plane of existence. The disbeliever, or the one who is far from Allah, it's like as if you're trying to take wet wool, you know, wool, you know, very thick material you wear in the winter and it makes you itchy and all that. You know, when that's wet and you imagine just that entangled in a, a bush full of thorns, okay? Super hard to pull wet wool off of a thorny bush. That's what it feels like, you know, as a phenomena for the person who is not close to Allah or was neglectful of Allah never invested in the real estate of the Akhirah with Allah then naturally they're not going to want to go somewhere that they didn't prepare for, right? How many of us hated going to school the day we had that big test and we just like kept putting it off and we just like, you know, the procrastination compounded until we just gave up and said, well, at this point it's too late to study so I might as well just fail it and you just set yourself up, you know? You don't want to go to school. You don't want to be there. You don't want to deal with it. You don't want to face with it. And it's just one thing you feel guilty about. You didn't study and you were neglectful of one test. So imagine this life exam and account. The akhirah is where your final GPA will be known, so to speak, right? Your grade point average for being human, essentially. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ultimately the dean of your life, right? He's the professor while you're here and the dean uh, in the next life, let's say right? Do you graduate? Do you get a diploma? You know, are you on standby? Do you still have to take another class over? Make up credits, you know? Um, so this is important. And third reason why it's hard for us to understand death is because sometimes despite many people believing in resurrection or reincarnation or whatever, I think sometimes we still assume 
you know, when you die, it's like it turns, it goes all black. You know, it's like it all, all the lights are off. You don't see anything. You don't hear anything. You don't feel anything. And it's just seems like this terrifying, infinite, black, scary cave that you're in or something, right? No, that's actually not what we understand uh, according to religious traditions and certainly Islam, what the experience is going to be like. The understanding that I have is when the person dies, they're going to experience a continuation of self-awareness. In other words, it's an uninterrupted continuation of Karim knowing he's Karim. He just recognizes he is no longer Karim in his body, right? So I'm still me, but my body isn't what's holding me anymore. Because death essentially, ladies and gentlemen, is when you, the self, when you leave, but your body stays. That's what death is. So you continue. And the account that you have, you know, brought forth goes with you. You leave as a self-aware entity, but you just don't have the structure of the body and the same sensory experience to have it. And I think the best analogy that some people could, you know, connect with is, you know, having dream states, right? It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're in a dream. Sometimes you're aware that you're in a dream. You experience and sense things, but your body is actually not moving or eating ice cream like you are in the dream. Your body isn't running and flying like you are in the dream. Yet you have a very vivid realistic experience of that, right? So what's actually sensing? Your ruh, your spirit is, let's say, the real sensor uh, map of your body, right? Your body is an instrument of sensory perception and the ruh is the one that is taking in that data. It's being fed to the ruh and the ruh is feeding information or reflections back to the body, in a sense. So it's simply a separation from this form. But your essence, your spiritual essence, remember, you are a spiritual being having a human experience, not a human being having a spiritual experience. In other words, you're a spirit with a body, not a body with a spirit, right? Because in the Islamic worldview, the spiritual self existed before the bodily or earthly self. And it's the spiritual self that will continue after you leave the body, and the body actually begins rotting within about six hours. It starts to smell foul. SubhanAllah, just starts breaking down. There's no ruh, there's no spirit life force. And the organic material just shuts down. Nervous system, all controls systems are off. So if we make the most of our time and knowing that time is simply the end of a new beginning where you will continue in a realm of understanding who you are, where it's all going, and what you have brought forth with you. And you're immediately going to experience pleasure and comfort, security and assurance, or the opposite, depending on the state of your soul. The last two New Year's episodes, I suggested trying the seven-day challenge to organize your time and to evaluate your time. I'll remind everybody again, take seven days, one week, and record every hour time slot what you're doing and how you're using it to the best of your ability. And just see that data for, for seven days, okay? Now don't do it while you're on vacation because that doesn't count, but try to do it during the week, right? Your typical routine. And then just take that seven-day data, multiply it by four to give you an overall estimate of how you're using your hours every month. Then multiply that by 12, and that'll give you a sense of how many hours you're using for that thing per year. 
right? So simple, simple math just to wake up myself. If I watch three hours of TV or Netflix, whatever, right? YouTubers, you name it. Everyone's watching stuff. Three hours a week. How many hours is that a month? 12 hours. And 12 times 12 is 144 hours at the end of the year. 144 hours at the end of the year just watching television. You know what that adds up to, guys? Six days of my life, all right? Now, I said three hours a week. Most of us are doing three hours a day. So let's uh, take a look at those. That's 21 hours a week. That's 84 hours a month. And 1,008 hours at the end of the year. If I watch entertainment television for three hours. Oi, Habibti, oi. What's up, girl? Salam. You okay? Hmm? I'm doing a podcast. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to do a podcast, mate. Yeah. Do? You want to do? Do. 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 Papa. Uh, let me go take care of this real quick. And while I do that, why don't you listen to this jam? Leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify. Check out patreon.com slash coffee with Kareem and... And we'll be right back. Based on watching three hours a day, it adds up to 1,008 hours. 1,008 hours at the end of the year. You know how many days that is? 42 days of your life by the end of the year. If you watch television for three hours or do anything for three hours, just to give you a sample, okay? So try the seven day challenge because at the end of the year, you may have lost a month and a half of your time doing nonsense. Tips, tools, and key concepts to keep in mind this year. First, what is a waste of time? How do we know if, a time, if time is wasted or not? From my experience, some people, for instance, they think everything's a waste of time if it's not schoolwork or something religious-based, right? And this is often how we get it from our parents. You know, everything's a waste of time. Go study. Don't play a video game. Don't see your friends. Don't go outside. Study for the SAT. Study to get into med school. Read Quran. Do this. Do that. We don't care if you know what the Quran means. Just memorize it so we can say our son memorized the whole Quran or whatever, right? So waste of time. My personal system is the following. And I've shared it with others and people find it valuable. There's three conditions to know if you're wasting time. A. It does not benefit yourself or others. It does not benefit yourself or others. B, it does not improve your function and system in life. And C, it does not have a real value.
okay? So what does benefit mean and what does value mean? Well, benefit is simple to me also. Anything that improves pleasure, comfort, safety, function, right? Knowledge, skill, that's all beneficial. Anything that's useful, okay? So if I am taking the trash out, is that a waste of time? No, it's a benefit. You know, we don't want stinky trash in the house. We can't throw more trash away if we never take it out. So that's beneficial. It's also valuable. It also helps improve the function and system in my life, right? So when you do things around the house, uh, mother, father, kids helping, you're actually not wasting time. If I work, you know, 10, eight hour days, and at the end of the day, I want to watch something for 30 minutes or play a game or go for a walk, that's also not a waste of time because it's a benefit to yourself and others. It improves function and system. You need to also relax and replenish when you work, you know, so that you can get back to the field tomorrow and do it again. And it does bring value to your life because a person who feels more balanced and diversified in their being, they're going to be an overall better person because extremes, it causes a lot of problems for people because extremes only produce extreme consequential effects. And anything that's too hard or too much too soon is never good, right? Whether it's too much religion, too much love, too much work, too much escapism, too much disconnect, whatever. You sometimes can waste your time when you think you're not, right? I'm going to study all night and all day, and then you basically sleep in and miss the exam, or you spend so much time studying, there's no balance in your life and you're barely able to retrieve information because your brain also needs a rest, it needs a break. In fact, it's gonna churn and process and, and memorize and assimilate all that stuff you've been reading for the last hours. That's why it's always good to take a break kind of to let the pot cool off a little bit, right? You can't keep it on high heat the whole time, right? Or else you're gonna run out of water and ruin the pot. So same thing, you know, you got to give your brain uh, a break and rest and rejuvenate it and have a snack and move around and breathe, take some deep breaths, get some oxygen. So based on these three criterions, what is a waste of time? Does not benefit myself or others, does not improve function and system in life, and does not have any real value. So real value to me would be something that actually reflects what I consider to be points of success or unsuccess in my life and fulfillment in my life. That's what I consider my values. Naturally, I also value what Allah, I try my best to value what Allah wants me to value because as my creator, he, he knows better than me what I, sh what I should prioritize in my life, right? And those are the things we should value. So ask yourself next time, is it a waste of time if I'm taking out the trash and, and cleaning the house? Is it a waste of time if I'm playing a video game for an hour after work? Is it a waste of time if my spouse wants to talk to me about something for 5-10 minutes and I'm in the middle of a work email? It's like, which one is a waste of time? Ask yourself those three questions and notice if your attitude or approach to what's a waste of time starts to change. Second tool or key concept that I want to give, three laws of growth are time plus repetition equals change. Time plus repetition equals change. Time plus changes equals transformation and time plus transformations equals mastery again this is true if you want to memorize the quran learn how to speak mandarin fluently uh learn how to you know be Jimi hendrix on the guitar whatever right you need time and repetition and consistency and consistency simply means 
not letting something that you want to do, as far as a skill, you know, you want to learn something or, or build a skill in yourself. Consistency means you don't let it die, right? Discipline, on the other hand, means that you are consistent about your consistency, okay? So I'll give you an example. Salah, five daily prayers, is something that Muslims, you know, strive to be consistent with. And once they're consistent enough with it, they actually make it a true discipline, meaning they actually pray five times a day on time, and then the next level now is depth and qualitative, right? My consciousness during the salah. But a lot of us, including myself, struggle with just the consistency or getting to that solid structural discipline needed, okay? So that's an example that we can all relate to in a religious matter. But let's take another one that's pretty common, working out and staying in shape. Kareem decides he's got to lose 20 pounds, let's say, all right? And I decide I have to work out, I got to exercise more, and this is what I'm going to commit to, some kind of level of consistency. I'm going to go once or, once to twice a week. That's my goal, right? Now, if I look at the 12-month period of 2020, I may find that in month one, I worked out three times. In month uh, two, I worked out six times. In month three, I worked out nine times. In month four, I worked out two times. Month five, I worked out nothing, zero. In month six, I worked out seven. And in month 11, I worked out zero. The point here is that if I focus on one of those months where I only worked out once or twice or no times, the self will criticize and say, look at you. You didn't even stay consistent. But if I look at my 12-month chart, actually it turns out in 2019, Kareem didn't work out at all. And in 2020, he averaged about four times a month. Even though every month was not disciplined with having the same number of workouts or the same amount of time for each workout. So that's the difference. Consistency is about making sure you keep doing something no matter what, even if you're unable to maintain the same exact number or amount of time of that exercise or practice. A discipline, however, is when your consistency does not change. You know, that's when you know you have a real discipline. It's like no matter what, this guy is going to work out 30 minutes every single day. It doesn't matter if his parents passed away. It doesn't matter if his you know, wife's going to have a baby. He's going to work out every single day at, for 30 minutes. That's when you know you have a discipline, right? But most of us, when life happens and it's hard, challenging, we forget. We forget to pray. We get lazy. We forget to work out. We forget to eat better. We forget to sleep, you know. That's how it is with us, right? So that's important because the fact that you're doing something rather than nothing means you're already forming consistency. And your consistency, when you're persistent with your consistency, it can then evolve and establish itself as a personal discipline, okay? So you gotta start with one step at a time and start with a small mini goal and just try to be consistent with it. You know, even if it's for the year and even if you're one month on and one month off and one month you're amazing and one month you're so-so, the point here is that compare it to the last year. Always understand progress in small-scale measurements as well as expand out in large-scale because any of us can have really bad dips in our lives, days, weeks, or even months. But in context of the whole year or the three years or the five years, you see it as, okay, I dipped, but these lows that I have today are still higher than my previous lows. 
So you got to stay consistent because it doesn't mean it's over or it's, you know, it's all or nothing, which is that extreme mentality when we evaluate our own success or determination. And so dips along the way during your growth is not synonymous with failure, ladies and gentlemen. Progress begins first by improving the, the sin or the flaw or the bad habit itself. Then, parallel to that, you begin to incorporate and generate the new habits or replacement pattern behaviors that you want uh, instead of your bad ones. Okay, so as you do that, it starts to the bad habits start to dwindle away because you make new associations, new attachments, and the more you expose and engage yourself to any practice or knowledge, that repetition, that consistency, that exposure of the energy actually makes you better, even if you don't realize it, right? So simple example, and you know, one thing that's nice about being a parent is it's like a free degree in child development, you know, if you really make use of that. Uh, experience fully. But like with my son, I have to explain to him, you know, as a young child, when he tries so many new things with me, whether it's how to play basketball or dribble a ball or pass a ball, he immediately gets very upset and let down when he's not able to do something new perfectly or the way I'm doing it, right? Just because you saw your dad do it a certain way, like shoot a basketball or, or pass a ball, and you hope that you can do it exactly like the parent Number one, they're looking for that attunement, reflection, validation, and also, of course, adequacy. And so explaining to a child that things don't come just like that, you know, snap of the fingers, you're just like a professional at whatever you want to do. You have to keep trying and practicing and failing forever acquiring important lessons is actually part of the game of success. You have to fail in order for you to accomplish or truly succeed in anything, right? So when we expose ourselves to and engage in any stimuli or activity, we naturally become better. And so each time my kid cries and I force him to keep trying to put the ball in the hoop or whatever, you know, he does it with frustration. But guess what? Every time we play, he's at like 5% better. The more he increases, let's say, the shots that he gets in or the balls that he's able to pass to me properly, he gets, you know, brightened up and he feels motivated and inspired. And I try always remind them, you see, this is the fruits of your results. So nothing happens, people, without doing. You've got to prepare to be persistent. And you've got to be persistently prepared for anything you want to accomplish. Common sense, basic law of human transformation. So many people are like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And they don't want to actually do anything. They actually just want things to magically transform while they're sitting on the couch watching Netflix and eating their chips or their bonbons or whatever. I mean, this is ridiculous, guys. Nothing happens without the laws of motion and movement. So you have to do and you have to engage. You don't know anything until you know. How do you know? By exposing and engaging with that subject or that knowledge or that skill over and over and over again. And prepare each time based on the last time, lessons or mistakes that you made, whether it's playing a sport, trying to speak a language, or doing a job interview. That's how it goes. Now, during any pursuit of a goal or mastery over something, many people struggle with adequacy, esteem issues, and we all have our journey around becoming more confident, having more self-love and self-care. And essentially what I mean by that is appreciation for the fact that Allah chose to create you, 
and that he embedded you or you you came included right these batteries are included included with certain genetic and metaphysical disposition of traits right so there are people that have um, capacities that will come more easier to them and capacities that don't and everybody has their set of variation in that but sometimes we forget this precious point that you are a sacred honored creature simply by being here right now and this brings me to another tip what's the difference ladies and gentlemen between self-criticism and self-accountability self-criticism in my estimation is when you put yourself down for not being good enough and the behavioral effect, as well as the mood of the person, becomes more of a lack of motivation to do good, and it could also become despair and hopelessness in time. And if it causes a person to shut down and stop doing or seeing good, then you know it's more of a self-criticism in the negative sense. The, the person is unable to separate what they do or what they did wrong from who you are and want to be. And this is what's supposed to drive you to do what you're going to do next. And inshallah, you do it better. That's the point, is if I really want to make the basketball team, or I really want to pass this class, or marry this person, or get this degree, or I want this, you have to put in effort, and you have to learn from the times you keep messing up. If I really want something, and I go towards it, and it doesn't work out for me, if I really want it, I don't give up and beat myself up and say, see, you suck. You didn't ever deserve it. Go home and don't try anything ever again, right? It's like, that's the deep self-criticism that happens. No one will ever love me because this person didn't say yes. No one will ever uh, hire me because I've had four interviews and nobody hired me, right? You have to keep going. Be brave and go on. Be brave and go on. Allah is with you if you have him with you. Now, the more positive or balanced version of self-criticism is self-accountability. Self-accountability is when you own up to the bad in the face of your inner good. The behavioral effect is motivation and inspiration to improve your bad habits, and you don't let your mistakes rob you of your personal progress, personal good, personal gifts. Right? So that's the difference there. And that's actually more honorable and balanced. And you still are keeping in mind Allah Azza wa Jal in your relationship. Because if you think you're this pathetic waste of a zygote on the planet, right? Then you're basically saying, God, you were, you know, I was a mistake. Why'd you make me? I was a mistake in your process of creating, you know, the real better people that deserve existence and breathing this air and so forth. It's like, why? It's like this existential despair is what Iblis and Shaitan wants you to identify with. You know, and I'm in the middle of my Jinn series right now. So remember, this is their like main goal and they know our psychology. They know how to push our buttons. So self-accountability is when I can see, wow, that was a really crummy thing that I did. But I know overall, I try to be a good guy or a good father or a good husband or a good daughter, or a good wife, or a good son, whatever, right? So you, you see it as opportunities, fail, forever acquired important lessons, opportunities to just be more of the good that you already acknowledge and see in yourself. And you have to see the good in yourselves, people, or else what will you use as fuel and power 
to ever heal or fix your quote-unquote bad side, right? Your shadow side. You've got to use the light that you have to see in the dark. You've got to use the good that you have to improve the bad. You've got to use the strengths that you have to overcome your weaknesses. And you've got to use small, gradual steps, adjustments, incremental changes in order to get the ball rolling for any new version of yourself or experience. Gradualism is a very important concept. And I'll give you an example. If let's say my goal for this year is I want to save money. I'm bad at saving. And I say, all right, Jimmy, save a dollar every single day. He's going to say, come on, man, that's nothing. I'm like, just do it. Let's do that for this year. At the end of the year, how much money will Jimmy have? I think everyone knows the answer, right? Now, next year, Jimmy says, okay, Kareem, I got my $365 saved for the year. Now I want to save more. What do I do? I say, Jimmy, this year I want you to save $1.75 a day. Huh, <laughs> $1.75? Are you serious? Yeah, just do it. By the end of the year, Jimmy saves $638.75. Now think about that. He starts with $1, increases it by $0.75. Cents. His yearly savings nearly doubled right? Almost 100% increase just by this small marginal adjustment of 75 cents. Now think about it, guys. A lot of us were like, all right, I want to save money. And I start putting aside $5,000 a month or $1,000 a month or $300 a month. And it's a big chunk. And then what we end up doing is we just take it back out of our savings. And then we go spend it on all the things we can. Always start small. Okay, starting small is always better than trying to go all in because you're overexcited. And then you basically you know, it's too much for you to carry and you give up or you punch out too early. Start small, guys. Look at the difference here. Just 75 cents more a day made me save double the amount by the following year. So imagine if you do this with $5 and then $10 a day and so forth. Imagine if you want to do this with smoking cigarettes. If you still smoke out there, you want to quit. Stop smoking one cigarette less every single day for the next month. Then two and then three, and eventually you will, inshallah, by the end of the year, be done. As a simple rule, marginal adjustment or marginal changes is push yourself an extra 2 to 5% in effort, in time, in frequency, or in the number of things that you're consuming, right? Reduce it or increase it, depending on what you want. You want to know more Quran? Read 5% more than you already do now. If you read nothing now, then that means you're going to read five words a day. Start with five words. Seriously. And see, and try to just get consistent with that. Once you get consistent with that for 30 days, every day you're able to read five words. Guess what? That's now a discipline. I'm now disciplined with, with reading five words of Quran a day. And that matters. That's a lot of words by the end of the month. Right? And it's still better than nothing. If you just read a page a month, by the end of the year, you've read 12 pages. That's better than 12 years of reading no Quran. <laughs> right? Which is many of our boats. So marginal gradual adjustments, 5% increase or a very small step towards the thing that you want or decrease in the thing that you don't want anymore in your life. You want less of like smoking or I want to lose weight or whatever. Right? So always think in very small bite-sized terms and inshallah that will help you 
stay a little more motivated and consistent with what your goals are for this year. Inshallah. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, I also ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect all of us out there, all of humankind uh, and our families from COVID. I've also heard you know, several cases this year with um, clients that I work with, family members have passed away from COVID and it's just sad to hear and go through that grief with people. Uh, Allah protect all of us and our families. Ameen, ya Rabbil Make sure in this COVID time, people are working at home a lot. Make sure guys, every day you get outside at least 15 minutes a day. I don't care how cold or hot it is where you are. Just do it. It's good for you. It's going to help your head, you know, snap out of its um, crinkly state. When you're just at home all day, surrounded by four, you know, walls, it's just, it's not good for the human being. It's not, we're not wired for this, to be in a box all day, right? So get outside, make sure you follow the health codes. Don't take this stuff lightly, guys. I have heard sad stories where some families don't take this stuff seriously, and then somebody dies in their family, like really. And it's usually the elders, you know? So it's more important than having a family barbecue, and making sure you kiss your nieces and nephews or grandkids or whatever. You know, I would rather be alive and have more of those occasions and more Eids and dinners than, oh, some pride thing is making me, you know, go against the COVID conditions and I have to hug and kiss you or else I'm going to be attacked and judged and now, you know, person gets COVID. I mean, it's just so stupid to me. But sadly, uh, some people are learning the hard way right now. So take this stuff seriously. It's not worth the risk, all right? And inshallah, it will get better. Make the most of your current life and situation. This can be either a curse or a blessing, right? This whole COVID lockdown thing. And I've heard both sides, right? Where things just, all one's problems that they never faced and neglected suddenly rise and are compounding. And whether it's a relationship stuff or personal stuff. So it's it can be tricky, right? But it also, I've seen the blessing of it where people are like, wow, I've learned how much, you know, I basically learned how to detox from uh, X, Y, and Z, or I became a reader again, or I'm taking better care of myself, or I'm actually connecting with my family more. And people, there's a benefit to this, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is go happening for a reason for the globe. There's something that he wants the human family to come back to, or many things he wants us to come back to. So always remember, there is a deep teaching in all of this. And may Allah uh, help us gain the forever acquired important lessons of this COVID climate. And uh, inshallah, stay tuned for episode three of the Jinn series. It's uh, my intro for some future classes I will be teaching this year, inshallah. Amazing, growing Patreon community. Love you guys. Thank you again. Supporting this podcast, giving your suggestions, your messages. Um, it really helps me stay motivated and uh, feel like you know, I'm not just wasting everybody's time and there's some value here for people. So thank you. Join us at patreon.com slash coffee with Kareem. You'll get access to free classes this year. If you become a member, I will also be doing live Ask Me Anything sessions. Check out the link in the description of the show. Choose a membership and see what perks or benefits you'd like to have this year with me. Thanks again for tuning in to the Coffee with Kareem podcast.